the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on AM 1220 KDOW, the show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDOW. I got to get used to that because this is our new station, isn't it, Mark? Absolutely. We are not a new show, but we are new to KDOW listeners. Welcome. Okay. So I'm your host, Edward Brown. I'm proud to have as my co-host Mark Honf of Pacific Private Money, one of California's fastest growing mortgage investment firms, and welcoming back Mark Cooper, commercial broker from H&L Commercial. All right. So uh, before we get into our special guest that Mark's going to introduce, I want to do want to make a special announcement here. If you go to the Best of Investing website, we have a an icon called Paintball, and if you click on it, you're going to get over eighty percent off on Paintball tickets, and includes equipment rental and everything. So. You just have to click on it, and you'll see what I mean, okay? So, uh, Mark, you want to introduce our guest? Sure. Today we've got, uh, as our special guest, Richard Benson, who is with the Marin County Assessor's Office. And what we're going to talk about, among other things today, is for those of you who took advantage uh, in the past, uh, well, probably now it's been a few years, but when the market uh, dipped, crashed, whatever you want to call it, in real estate, many of you took advantage of the opportunity to have your home values reassessed. But what's happening now that home values have largely recovered, and in fact, in some markets were higher than we were back in 2007 in the last peak, there was a little-known caveat to that uh, opportunity to get your uh, tax it's assessment. Prop 8, I think it yeah, was called, right? Yeah, to get your, right, to get yeah, your tax assessment. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, because some of you may be in for a little bit of a surprise when you get your tax bill this coming year. Richard, welcome to The Best of Investing. It's great to be back. Thanks for having yeah, me. Absolutely. So um, I was asking you off the air, is it, uh, is it a, su- a surprise for people when they learn that uh, um, property uh, taxes, well, property taxes are capped at an annual, normally, an annual increase of 2% in California under Prop 13 going way back to the, to the 1970s. And most of us who are homeowners are enjoying that fact that you can't just arbitrarily see your property tax bills go up. However, for those who got a decrease in their property valuations as a result of the Prop 8, um, that annual restriction or limitation on property tax increases does not apply. Can you explain a little bit about that? Sure. First of all, you know, um, and it's a great question, but, you know, we've been in this environment for about eight years now. Yeah. So realistically, it's probably not much of a surprise to most people in Marin County. And our office does a, a very rigorous job of trying to reach out and provide information on our website and through literature that we provide in bills and notices that they have information on this. Simply enough, you're right. The Prop 13 uh, tax base allows an increase of 2% a year. That's the cap. It can be less than that, but no more. Where it's difficult sometimes for people to understand is that 
if you're in a prop a status that and you've let's say had a 10 percent reduction one year you could go up 12 percent the next year because you had a 10 percent appreciation plus you had a two percent uh cpi gain and i'll bet there's a lot of people out there who who think no 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 once you go down you can only go up two percent a year from that lower point but that's not the case not the case and that's gone through court already so Mm -hmm. it's been sustained that that uh it base year inflation compared to the uh, uh, factored base year is what we call it to the CPI is pretty much it, it, set. They actually went to court on that? Absolutely. Wow. So while it was probably a hit to your offices when it occurred, when all of those reevaluations and reassessments were approved, lowering the property values in, say, 2009 and 2010, maybe even 11, a lot of people took advantage of that opportunity, and that was probably a hit to the tax base, it, it must be good times now for the Marin County Assessor's Office uh, as you're adjusting those valuations back up to market. So, as you know, uh, we don't get a commission. On- <laughs> you're not dancing in the streets. So you're not smiling too much. It's just probably more work for you. Suffice yeah, it to yeah, say, really. that was a really tough time for our staff, and they did a great job. Yeah. What had happened was we took multiple billions off the roll. We took 20, 25% off the assessments of many wow. of those properties that went back a number of years prior to that economic collapse, and they've been returning over the last several years. And what's interesting, though, is we've the major uh, beneficiary of that are the schools who receive the income from property taxes over 40%. The rest of it goes to general funds for all the districts, all the cities, all the counties, county. And um, now that will start to wean as we look in the future years. So one thing that's really interesting, both from a taxpayer position and government at large, is even though we'll be that will be slowing down, how will that impact us in terms of revenue to all the agencies and government that needs revenue? Mm. And will that manifest itself in more taxes like special taxes, special assessments, bonds, initiatives that land on the ballot? And people can probably look forward to seeing more of those things. You don't have to go before the headline, beyond the headlines of the paper to see how that will land on your ballots in November. So, and you brought some uh, um, some interesting case Schiller statistical information with you on on uh, home price increases. Uh, what was that all about? So, Case Schiller is a national uh, uh, index that tracks in regional areas these same types of increases from one year to the next, one month to the next. And actually, we've been doing that for at least over twenty years in our office and mm-hmm. tracking that. So they really parallel each other in terms of the, the uh, change in value patterns from one year to the next. And when people see that Case-Shiller index, it's really reflective of Marin counties as well. They pretty well parallel each other, except that Marin tends to be a little more on the positive side because it's, it's uh, more affluent in terms of its um, real estate growth and appreciation than some er- other areas of the Bay Area, which may be a little behind. And now the Case-Shiller Home Price Index, it's, it is a lagging indicator. Uh, some people say it's as much as 90 days kind of behind in the times. But uh, irrespective of that, what I've noticed certainly in the national and, and more specifically in the California and Bay Area regional indexes that those rates of appreciation, which were hovering for most of last year in the double digits, 10, 11, 12, have now kind of come down into the single digits. In fact, the last the last report I read, we were a little over 7% year over year. Now, are you looking, at, do you actually get even more refined statistics for just the county of Marin, or are you looking at the whole San Francisco Bay Area kind of MSA, as they call it? 
I get information from other assessors. I look at the Case-Shiller Index. Mm -hmm. I look at every jurisdiction in Marin County separately Mm -hmm. and together, and I make those comparisons. We typically see at this time of the year things start to slow down. So what you usually hear in the news is a month-to-month comparison, either year-to-date or this month, this year, compared to last month or this month, last year. And always, almost always in a normal pattern, it slows down a little bit in the fall and then picks up in the spring. All right. Tell you what, guys, we're going to go to a commercial break here. Uh, before we do, want to make a little mention here for the Camellia Inn, which is in Healdsburg, and it's a peaceful place for your next visit to California's wine country. So you get a good night's sleep when you awake, a sumptuous, I like that word, sumptuous, in-prepared breakfast awaits you. I love these little bed and breakfasts. They have a uh, nice little uh, villa-style swimming pool, and uh, check them out at 707-433-8182, or go to CamelliaInn.com. Stay with us. The Best of Investing will be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190, or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hunt of Pacific Private Money and Mark Cooper of H&L Commercial. And uh, we're going to allow Rich uh, Richard Benson of the uh, tax assessor to sit in on this next segment here and chime in. Uh, Mark, you've got some informa- interesting information, some article there you're looking at. Well, yeah, we, we always like to share some articles that we find of interest here at the at the Best of Investing. And since we've got a house full of uh, real estate guys here today, let's uh, let's keep the topic on real estate for uh, the rest of this segment here. Uh, this headline drew me. This was in the, um, um, the Bloomberg Business Week last week. Silicon Valley elites get home loans with no money down. So, you know, so we we all know that the last real estate market crash yeah. was largely the result of a credit bubble. That's yeah. that's that's generally the accepted uh, uh, blame for for that uh, for that crash. And I find it interesting that we're what how many years into the real estate recovery? At least five since the bottom of the market. And in many markets, home values have gone beyond the last high from two thousand and seven. Why would banks wait until we're at we're, we're basically looking at the top of the market? In many markets, we're already seeing kind of prices starting to soften in the Bay Area. Uh, many are predicting that maybe we are at the top, and we're maybe the next cycle is is you know basically right around the corner. Why would they wait till now to offer one hundred percent financing? I wonder if it's all competition between the banks. You know, it's kind of the fall of the leader too. Someone does it, and then the rest of them. Well, fall. well, we know that there's a ton of money out there, and that yeah. uh, and not only is there a lot of private capital sitting on the sidelines, you know, aching for yield, but the banks themselves. Aren't uh, don't have as many loans in their portfolio as they did say ten years ago. So um, the the lead sentence here it says it turns out even the well off need help in a housing market as crazy as the one in San Francisco Bay Area, and lenders are elbowing each other in a rush to provide it. So it names two banks here: First Republic and San Francisco Federal Credit Union, hmm. who are both right now providing up to one hundred percent financing on houses uh, costing up to. Two million dollars. So some of them were, used to go over a hundred percent financing. You remember that? Yeah. There, there was one of some. One someone had done like hundred. One bank did like one hundred twenty percent financing. Well, I, lo- okay. I love the quote from uh, from uh, this person, a mortgage consultant, uh, who was asked about this and said, "Lenders are so caught up trying to stay competitive and finding a market mm-hmm. edge, they basically allow greed to overcome common sense." 
And as we all know from uh, 2007 and 8, easy money does fuel and accelerate an inevitable credit bubble. So, yeah, I think I can predict the angle here is that they're looking for those banking relationships. So they say, oh, hey, you know, open up a checking account, keep two hundred thousand dollars or more in deposits with us, and we'll give you that no money down loan or, or something like that. There's always kind of a caveat. I'm seeing I'm seeing deals like that on car and car loans. Yeah. And lines of credit, it's like, hey, bring your business here, and we'll give you that line of credit. Well, what we'll actually do is loan you your own money back. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, but the line of credit, I, I was doing the same thing, and they, you know, wanted to get like you know, a hundred thousand dollar line of credit. And they go, great, put one hundred twenty five thousand dollars in our, you know, zero percent interest account, and we'll do it. And I said, why would I need you then? You know. Well, and actually, the the reality, the the story behind the story is that you know these guys, the banks, they're cherry picking. The, the, the best of the best of the best borrowers. They're really going after the people who, yeah. even if real estate declines, even if they make 100% financing on a, the, an acquisition loan for, for their primary residence and the, and the value goes down, they're not going to stop making their loan payments. These people are not going to take a hit to no, their credit. No, but, but they would be non-recourse financing, though. Well, that's true. With, if they did walk away, that's right. Yeah, if they did walk away, versus <laughs> yeah. like you know, Mark, you're, you're the other Mark, the Mark other Mark Cooper. Mark Cooper. Uh, you're, you're in commercial real estate, and mostly the banks uh, would be doing recourse financing, wouldn't they? We yeah, uh, we see primarily recourse. Every once in a while, have somebody like they want to buy a Dollar General or a Dollar Tree, and the, those folks are looking for non-recourse loans. But everything now is recourse. I think the banks have learned their lessons yeah. in terms of non-recourse deals. So, what is financing looking like in the commercial market? Well, you know, I'm I'm actually seeing some really great rates, uh, and uh, B of A has been super competitive. And every once really? in a while, I'll, I'll huh. see a deal come through, and um, I do a couple different types of deals. One would be, uh, you know, a 1031 exchange. Somebody's got to place money fast. Another one would be mm-hmm. owner occupant, and we're seeing a lot of SBA loan with 10 percent down. I just did a deal here in San Rafael with the guy, and I swear B of A said something like. It was like interest only for two years, fully amortized over ten, and the deal was like four percent. It was a rate that I would see on a on a residential home owner oc type of deal. So I was kind of blown away at what B of A did, but I I think Wells is now doing deals like that as well. If if the people have income, they can get some great rates, and I'm seeing longer amortizations too, 25, 30 years on commercial owner occupied deals on on, on gotcha. big buildings. Yeah. Okay. So what do you guys think? Do you think we're going to see a bump in interest rates, or is it going to stay this way for a while? <laughs> We've been predicting this for a while. Right? Well, it's interesting. An article um, quoted Fannie Mae, uh, who um, predicts interest rates uh, fairly regularly. Uh, they, she's always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Fannie Mae does not expect the Fed to increase rates until June of 2017. They're basically predicting that interest rate increases, as far as the Fed goes, are off the table for the next 12 months. But now, Rich, you before the show, though, you were kind of mentioning something that... Yeah, I'm always <laughs> curious when we go through an election cycle, if we see uh, bumps in interest rates following an election rather than waiting for some period of time later. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out this year at the end of the year or the first quarter or next. Well... You know, my th- my thinking on this is, if Hillary gets elected, it's just more of the same of what we've seen the last eight years. Is that going to shock the markets? No. So I don't see anything happening as a result of that. If Trump gets elected, now normally you would think a someone on the Republican ticket would have uh, a, you know an impact, favorable economic impacts. I guess one one might argue, um, but I think there's so much of an unknown with him and what he may and may not really? do. Really, that think might he's actually stable? shock them. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing to me is it just seems like the Federal Reserve. You know, each time they look at a bump, 
uh, they've said, oh, it's qualified to do a rate increase, but we're not going to. Mm-hmm. So when you add all those up over the last 12 months, it kind of makes me wonder whether that uh, inertia is building. Now, what if Gary Johnson gets in? <laughs> yeah, or, or Pat Paulson. Remember? Well, of course, we had, he always gets a few votes. <laughs> we had the big Brexit uh, Brexit stare. Scare. Scare, yes. Brexit scare. scare. I can say that five, fast five times. Yeah. Uh, last month, and of course, that really put a pause uh, for a lot of economic activity. We had the stock market drop, which of course now it's recovered, but we had the Fed really react to that, uh, that along with the slow growth uh, economic numbers that keep coming out. And, and basically, they are speaking as if they're not intending to raise rates although you yeah. know they're they're pretty you know they're usually pretty mum about that we got a lot of it has to follow the economy in general but the, you know they, they look at the jobs you know the unemployment uh, you know the whole kit and caboodle probably the most interesting thing about where interest rates are heading is that pretty much everybody who's you know who has an opinion that uh, uh, is is respectable in this in this uh, uh, in real estate in in mortgage They've all been wrong for the last like four years. You know, it, it, in fact, just at the end of every year, we we hit, we do a couple of shows where we yeah. talk about you know predictions, market rate predictions, interest rate predictions, and at the end of 2012, at the end of 2013, 2014, 2015, all the the, the interest rate predictions predictions were almost identical. They were all predicting interest rates approaching five percent. Uh, over the course of the next and year. And they all kept their jobs. <laughs> so, well, so do you guys think that there's anything in the market that's a good indicator, whether it's employment, CPI, or something else in the marketplace that uh, can help the public or listeners understand what drives bumps in interest rates? Well, I'm seeing something uh, in the city, in San Francisco, which has been a leading indicator in, in my business because you know rents go crazy in San Francisco, and then it trickles down into Southern Marin and kind of works its way up. What I'm seeing recently is things are starting to slow down in the city in terms of volume of sales, rates for leasing of office buildings, uh, consumer confidence and business confidence starting to slow a little bit. So that's the first time I've seen in maybe a few years. I mean, I remember a few, I'd say five years ago, I had warehouses all over Marin County that I couldn't give away. Now I've got people lined up on a waiting list to rent or lease a warehouse. But I think that there's something coming our direction where we're going to see a little slowdown in volume. And values. Okay. Guys, uh, believe it or not, another another segment just came and went. Uh, When we come back, we've got some very interesting emails for our co-hosts here that uh, I know the audience will want to listen in. And uh, don't go anywhere because you're listening to The Best of Investing. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Edward Brown here along with Mark Honf and Mark Cooper. Now, I know I told the audience when we get back we were going to go to email time. We are going to do that in the next segment, but Mark Cooper was just itching to ask Rich Benson, the tax assessor, a question. So we're going to go right with that. All right, I'll do my best here. So I'm aware that there's a grandparent and a parent-to-child exclusion, like if your family leaves you sure. some property. Right. Okay, so how does that work if it is an adopted child, is the uh, is there any? Does it have to be your true blood child? What if someone is adopted and that you want to leave them r- real estate? Is do they looking? Are they looking at birth certificates? Tricky, huh? tricky, <laughs> tricky. <laughs> so in general, you know, kind of the common sense approach is the way the rules are set. So parent child means parent child. Grandparent grandparent means just that. So if there's a parent alive on a grandparent child. 
you can't get there without going to grandparent to parent and parent to child first. So the rules on the grandparent-grandchild is that the parents have to be deceased for it to go from grandparent to grandchild. On parent to child, it has to be a natural child or adopted. So anything that generally interferes with that normal kind of relationship between parents, child, grandchildren could block that transfer. And another one that's very interesting is on parent-child transfers or grandparent-grandchild is relationships between siblings because transfers between siblings are not exempt or can't be exempted. Actually, excluded is the right terminology. Mm. So when parents transfer to children, there's a step there where sometimes the children kind of get trapped because they haven't figured out a plan or there isn't enough other assets to offset the real estate that makes it a transfer between siblings after it's been transferred. Okay, so with all this complication, what's your hourly rate for people to uh, come in and get advice from <laughs> Most you? Most <laughs> all this stuff can be found on our website. There's uh, FAQs and other information that we, we provide. Um, it's pretty easy to obtain, and I always say that the best way to get it is ask the question first. Nice. So now, of I, course, of course, we love it at Pacific Private Money when siblings inherit property and they can't yeah. agree what to do with it because one of my favorite loans is making loans to someone who wants to buy out the interest of his sibling's uh, interest in a property. And so he and, wants to live there. Right. And, and, yeah. Right. Or it, it might be for a number of reasons. And yeah. oftentimes some siblings want to cash out. Others want to sell. Some want to, want to keep. It's, it's all kinds of reasons. And the banks won't touch those loans with a 10-foot pole. So that's really a key factor because especially in Marin County where we have lots of trusts. One of the things Mm -hmm. that can help facilitate that is if the trust borrows the money and then it moves the property from one sibling instead of to both siblings, but the trust has borrowed the money, then that transfer becomes siblings can be non-assessable and not trigger reassessment. But once you've already moved it out and it's not the trust that's borrowing the money, it turns out to be one sibling is borrowing money from the other or something like that, then it won't work. So it's not the substance over form type thing. It's it does not here. <laughs> and that's actually really important. Yeah. And that just, if, you, if you're in a situation like that and you're listening, you really should consult a good um, real estate attorney to help you with that or a state planning attorney, probably even, even better still. There's also a lot of information on this stuff at the uh, State Board of Equalization website. Mm-hmm. So really there is a tremendous amount of information for the public to garner from lots of different places, private professionals, state board, Marin County, assessor, etc., to help see your way through this forest. Is it easier, easy to understand, uh, I mean, on the website? Yeah, it's written so you can understand okay. it. And the FAQs are designed to be able to help, you know, everybody. So we're talking with Rich Benson, Marin County property assessor from the assessor's office. And Rich, off the air, we were talking a little bit about how how Airbnb has kind of infiltrated uh, your attention span. And and you talk a little bit about how that's been impacted your office. Well, it really hasn't hit us yet, except, you know, when we look about assessments and the regulatory framework, we usually are somewhat behind the market in general. San Francisco has been kind of the leader in this area with Airbnbs. Mm. And one of the things that's uh, uh, pretty much established is that once somebody starts using a piece of real estate like a home for an Airbnb, it can be subject to assessment for the business or personal property. That means all the contents inside. 
Now, Marin hasn't really taken that position aggressively yet, but San Francisco has very made a very aggressive position on that. It'll be very interesting to see how that plays out with the regulators at the state, the legislators, the public, and whether that kind of uh, uh, approach to assessing property spreads beyond San Francisco. Well, it's pretty easy to catch people, too, because all you have to do is just go on the Airbnb website and look at an address, and then you well, can cross-check it. that and San Francisco, I believe, is getting direct information from Airbnb on their accounts, and that's really? a requirement from that. Uh, and or whoever the other uh, players are in that industry. It's not like Facebook and trying to do the privacy type thing. So there's several wow. things that impact is is the transit occupancy tax, business yeah. licenses, property tax. All these things could come into play, something for people to be aware of if that starts to play itself out and over I'll time. Bet, well, I'll bet the hotels are behind that because they're, they're probably losing, you know, because they have to pay hotel transit tax. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, there's there's uh, always a, a you know a double edged sword on these things. Where, where no free lunch is what uh, uh, you should always keep in mind if you're looking at Airbnb being your property. That uh, looks like and it could be subject to additional taxes, business license taxes, and other types of. And that's one of the most interesting things about real estate in general mm-hmm. is the market is not static. It's a very dynamic market, that's both residential sure. and commercial. Another example is in Marin County. Over the last several years, we've seen homeowners exemptions go down which suggests to me that there's a lot of investing in single family homes where people aren't taking out homeowner exemptions or how, do a lot of do, I was going to say do, does everyone know about that it's only $7,000 but it's do, only $7,000 people but even think about it every tax bill every notice we send out gets that information yeah no, I mean, I, I've seen it. Um, $7,000 of value, not $7,000 of tax. Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> okay, I just want to make clear. If it were a tax credit, that's that would correct. be nice. Yeah. That would be helpful to <laughs> Rich, at least. I, try, try that for the next time. Okay? <laughs> we're we're, we're going to count on you for that. So, guys, we have another uh, minute before we have to go to break. Well, I've got another headline here. It's, it's uh, talking about uh, market bubbles. Um, of course, a lot of people wonder whether uh, California cities uh, are, are in a bubble. And this particular article says, it's not a housing bubble. Home prices are just expensive. <laughs> but it does say that uh, um, prices, they do say that prices in the San Francisco Bay Area are probably unsustainable at the rate they are going up right now. And this is bad for the local economy if, if high housing costs spur talented workers to move away. Hmm. They say that we could be looking at a housing cost-induced economic slowdown because people can't make the housing market work. And they're not building more... Not in the Bay Area. Right. So again, uh, you know, we, and we, we talked about earlier in the show, we are starting to see housing, the, the rate of acceleration in housing prices is starting to slow in many markets in the Bay Area, and I would not be surprised if that continued. Well, okay, guys, so uh, we're going to go to another commercial break. Before we do, we've got something here again for the uh, Weingarten Children's Festival, not festival, but uh, imagine your child cannot hear or speak. What do you do and where do you go? Check out the Weingarten Children's Center in Redwood City. This year, the, on uh, October 29th, they're actually going to have a uh, masquerade party. So check them out, okay? That's listenspeaklearn.org. Stay with us. The Best of Investing will be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190 or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. 
Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Honf and Mark Cooper. And uh, let's see, uh, we don't have any commercial, or excuse me, we don't have any trivia questions, but... Um, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Now, stay maybe tuned. Now, hold, stay maybe tuned. Next maybe week. Next, maybe yeah, next week. Yeah. So we have a uh, co-host who's going to be uh, joining us for the next six months. We come on once a month. Welcome. Well, yeah, to well, Mark Cooper. Now, let me just to, just to give the audience a little tidbit. Um, every month, I go to a broker's meeting, right? And there's probably 60 to 80 of us in this breakfast meeting. It's Very commercial nice commercial brokers. Commercial breakfast. brokers, right? Mm-hmm. And and some of the guys there are pretty good. It's interesting. I mean, and this is before I knew Mark. I mean, I'm being truthful with you. I'm not just trying to puff you up here, okay? Even though the room, room is big enough for everyone here, all right? Um, literally, I've noticed when Mark makes announcements, it's amazing how popular he is. And it's not just because he's funny, but literally the business that when you Mark do. When Mark Cooper talks, people listen. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's really, <laughs> it's, it's really true. I mean, I got to say that, you know, he always seems to be giving a lot of business uh, for his clients. So uh, that's, that's a little intro uh, to you. So welcome, Mark. And you got an email question for him. Yeah, so exactly. Because we get emails all the time and, and here's one that's right up your alley. What are strategies for writing purchase office offers and getting credits and price reductions? Oh, this that's is a commercial good, that's property, a right? Yeah. Yeah. Commercial. yeah, absolutely. Um, well, in Marin, I'm, I do a lot of sales, probably about 12 or more sales a year, and I'm working with a lot of investors and owner-occupants. So I, I have some investors I work with, and, and um, what some folks will do is they'll make an offer at what they're willing to pay for a property, maybe come 10 or 20% less, okay. do all their inspections, and they find something that they didn't know about or claim they didn't know about and ask for a big credit. Yeah. That's, a, that's a technique that a lot yep. of folks will do. You know, They're asking a million, they offer 900000 and then we get it and do an inspection, and oh, needs a new roof, they ask for a little more money. Yep. One of my favorite investors to work with is a guy who's got a lot of cash, and what we will do, I'll send him a property, uh, he'll drive by and look at it, and every time it's the same answer, either no or write it up, all cash, full price, 17-day inspection, 30-day close. Before we even go inside the building and before we even look at it, he doesn't want to waste his time. He wants to get it into contract. And that's a guy that I really like to work with because we want to make sure nobody else can buy it before we make up our mind if that's something we want to pursue. And then we'll do our inspections. We'll come back and ask for a big fat credit and decide okay. should we just walk away or not because a lot of these things you know there's nine offers and and you know this person's got financing and somebody else wants sure. to pay more money and you know everything's going so i would say uh, a great technique is just to get it into contract before anybody else can and then really decide, let's crunch the numbers and make sure this is something we want to pursue. Now, you said but, you do like working with that. I mean, how many times do, do you finally, you know, do you find, oh, wow, well, we need a $200,000 credit because of this, and the seller says, no, no, no. Get no. lost. Well, I yeah, think, exactly. I mean, it's tough. I know some residential people that'll do one or two big deals a year, and they've got so much riding on that one transaction. You know, there's so yeah. much going on. If I'm working with investors, and I, I'm, I've got five properties in escrow right now, if one falls out, because we decide to not pursue it, it's not that big a deal. Gotcha. I mean, I just I want to do what's best for the for the buyer, and if their decision is to not pursue that property because it's got dry rot or whatever it might be, that's fine. Mm-hmm. My my deal is not the transaction; it's the relationship with the buyer, and that's what's most important to me. What if the buyer? doesn't have all cash. Is there a way you could work with somebody who maybe can still make like a non-contingent offer? Maybe they got uh, a private money resource? Or, private or, money! <laughs> uh, <laughs> what yeah, a coincidence. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I just... Uh, I wonder why I would mention that. Yeah. I was just approached by a client who was doing an exchange. He sold another property 
and he had about fifty thousand uh, dollars in his exchange. So he had to buy something of either great, greater to equal or greater value yeah. of the debt and the equity. Well, what can you buy for fifty thousand dollars? <laughs> yeah. You know, not very much. A garage, maybe. Um, yeah. This guy had a, uh, he had a little bit of checkered past in a transaction, uh, you know, in the dip. And so, um, because of that, it would be hard for him to go conventional and, and get another loan. So, I think private money would be a great solution in that situation because we can close quickly. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, tell me what the differences are. I'm I'm writing conventional offers, uh, even you know, thirty day inspection, forty five day close, appraisals are taking forever. Yeah. What can private money do if I see a triplex that comes up and it's just too good to be true, and I need to have it? What can you guys do there? How how quick a turnaround? Uh, for a good buyer. In commercial, you know, as, as few as three days, although we prefer five to seven. Well, I don't work weekends, so that's all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you know, going back, you said you had, you usually do 12 transactions a 12 year. 12 sales. 12 sales. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, about one a month. See, that's commercial, that's a lot. Yeah. See, that's why I told you. So when I go to these meetings, Mark always has a few things going on, you know, compared to a few of these other brokers or, you know, Usually they'll just say, hi, my name is Joe. Next. Well, I think a big part of that, too, is our leasing and tenant representation is I'll do about one or two of those a week. So I'll do 60 lease transactions a year. And a lot of those leases will feed into working with buyers and sellers. I've done deals where I helped a guy rent an office. And the next thing you know, you turn around, the three-year lease is up. He's ready to buy a building. Gotcha. And then five years from then, he's ready to sell that building and buy another one where a lot of agents are just looking for the big deal. They're trying to get in with the owners of the property. Well, that guy bought his property somehow. He had an agent. So what I do is I work with, I mean, it's kind of like nobody too small. Um, I've worked with a lot of people, and their businesses blow up. And I'm ready to be their agent. And no no job too big, no job too small. We can handle it. (laughs) Absolutely. So how do people get a hold of you if they have a question about uh, commercial leasing, buying or selling commercial property? Sounds like you're a wealth of uh, a resource of information. Yeah. Well, I'm, am I crazy to get my cell phone out on the air? I guess I'm going to go. And we're just whatever, like, whatever <laughs> your phone, whatever. 415-608-1036. Carrier pigeon, doesn't matter. Yeah. 415-608-1036. Do not call me on the weekend. Uh, and then if you're going to go weekend or evening. Well, of course, this is a Saturday show. Right. We, so. can, we can wait till Monday. Yeah. And then uh, in the evening, our weekends, uh, email's great. Mark, M-A-R-K, at H-L-C-R-E dot com. Which stands for? Uh, that I like to say hungry lion <laughs> crosses river easily. <laughs> okay. It used to be home and land, right? It, it was home and land commercial real estate. Awesome. <laughs> But maybe you should change it to Hungry Lion. Like Everyone the, will remember that one. I like the Hungry Lion. <laughs> ring. Yeah, it's got a nice ring to it. It I'll does. Mention. Okay, uh, Mark, we have uh, other Mark, Mark Hoff this time. Uh, we have an email that says, why do borrowers have to pay a higher interest rate with you than a typical bank? Well, not just with me. And by the way, I'm Mark Hoff. I'm president and broker for Pacific Private Money. We are a private money real estate lender based right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. We are an alternative resource for financing. We're kind of like the the plan B when plan A fails. You should always get conventional or bank financing for your real estate transaction when you can, but there's an awful lot of situations uh, that happen, that occur every day uh, uh, that don't allow you to use bank financing. Probably the biggest reason people come to Pacific Private Money is speed. They've run out of time or they've got a 
they thought they were bank financeable, and, and their mortgage broker said they had a loan for them, and something glitched during the process. The worst time is when that happens after their deposit has gone non-refundable, oh, yeah. and they call me in a panic. So, so companies like Pacific Private Money, uh, who are private money lenders, also known as hard money. Hard money is kind of like the, the old term for it that was uh, used uh, commonly uh, 10, 20 years ago. We prefer the private money lender moniker these days because we think our business model is a lot different today than it was, say, 10 years ago. The biggest being we're more regulated today. We are not the predatory lender, loan shark that you guys remember uh, many hard money lenders were, say, 10, 15, 20 years ago. We're really an industry that emerged post-recession, post-crash. Pacific Private Money was founded in 2008, in fact. Now, the first couple of years were a little bit lean because uh, I didn't know when I founded the company in 2008 just how severe the the, the market correction was going to be. But, uh, you know, we've been in business to, to basically provide financing for people when bank financing was not available. Now, why are interest rates for private money loans so much higher than bank financing? And on average in the San Francisco Bay Area, a private money loan is right around 10%. It can be less. Maybe it's 9% uh, for stronger borrows, and it could be more. But generally speaking, it's uh, it's about that. And it looks like we're going to be hitting uh, up yeah, against our next break yeah, right we now. Are, we are. I'm going okay. to come back and explain a little bit more about uh, private money loans when we get back. All right. Stay with us. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the best of investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hon and Mark Cooper. Uh, Mark, why don't you finish up there? So the question we had in the last segment was, why is a private money loan more expensive than a conventional loan? And, and basically, because we use private capital to fund our loans, there's, there's only a price at, at, at which below that, private parties are not going to make their money available. And what we found in the Bay Area is that number is right around 8%. That seems to be the point at which if it goes below 8% in terms of their return on their mortgage investment, um, then they have other options. There's REITs, there's um, muni bonds, there's all kinds of ways that you can get uh, 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 tax preferences that, that boost your effective yield, since when you invest in a in a note, it's pure interest, ordinary income. So right now, uh, and, it, and it, if I pay my investor 8%, I need to add a spread to that to help uh, with our business model. So that's when I say maybe a 9% loan, that uh, that's about market, but between 9 and 10%, that seems to be about what private money is priced at. But because people don't use our loans for that long a period, yeah, it seems like it's it's expensive money. It's more than double the cost of bank money. But when you consider that, we're really, for the most part, a, a, a bridge, a, a stepping stone to conventional financing. People use us to close when they can't close financially, and then they, then they pay us off. Most of our loans have no prepayment penalty or minimum interest guarantee. So if you pay us off in you know, six days, 60 days, or six months, it's fine with us. And we expect people to pay us back quickly. So again, the note rate notwithstanding, really, uh, the private money loan industry exists to 
basically help rescue you when your uh, transaction is in trouble or help you acquire real estate when the banks won't make you a loan. For example, fix and flippers. Flippers haven't been able to get bank loans unless you're you know, basically A paper qualified. And most flippers that we work with are not. They live gotcha. from project to project. So, so again, for more information on uh, how you can uh, use a private money loan, if you're a realtor or mortgage broker and you have a client that's stuck in a deal, give us a call. We love taking loan scenarios. I mean, we get calls all day long with a, a pitching a scenario. Hey, can you help in this situation? We can say yes or no very, very quickly. We know exactly the type of transactions we can help you with and what we're looking for. So for more information, our website is PacificPrivateMoney.com. That's PacificPrivateMoney.com. Or if you want to pick up the phone and leave us a message, call you back on Monday, 415-883-2150. They can also call you for investing with you and earning over 8%. That's right. And uh, next week on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about mortgage investing and how you can earn 8% or more on your money investing in mortgage-backed instruments. Okay. So, Rich, before we let you go, we do have a question for you, and it revolves around what do people do if they disagree with the value that you've uh, given them? Really? Anybody (laughs) disagree with their assessment? I can't imagine. See if you can answer this in about a minute and 20 seconds. (laughs) So, you know, that's a great question. And uh, there's really two ways most counties do it. And there are some differences between counties. But generally, you can go to the assessor and ask for an informal review of the assessment, which can be very casual. The assessor may ask for some information, try to get some help understanding the details of the property. But if that doesn't work, you can go to an assessment appeal. Here in Marin County, which is a little more formal, here in Marin County, we accept informal assessment reviews until the end of October, beginning of July to the end of October, and formal assessment appeals beginning of July to the end of November. Many counties, that appeal period ends in the middle of September. The appeals board, if you do have to go that far, but most of the time it can be resolved informally, the appeals board is not court. Uh, it's a setting that can be uh, addressed with most anybody to help with their homeowner's uh, assessment if that need be. And uh, there's lots of information to help prepare. Well, we appreciate that. So what's your home number if people want to call you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't want them doing that. Okay, you can just go to... Uh, the, go back to the website. There's yeah. training uh, videos on the Board of Equalization website to help guide people through the process. Well, thanks, Rich. Very good. I really appreciate that. So next week, uh, we're going to have uh, Catherine Harris, CPA, on. We'll ask her some uh, tax questions. And uh, thank you again, Rich Benson, for uh, joining us. From My the pleasure. Moon tax Association. And, uh, of course, Mark Cooper, our commercial broker, co-host. And once again, Mark Hunt, my co-host from Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding over 8%. So, quick uh, thoughts for the day here. Worry is the interest paid by those who borrow trouble. Mark, is that true? Do you charge worry on your loans? No. Double interest. Okay. And uh, no, that's only for people who borrow trouble, not money. (laughs) And would transformers buy life insurance or car insurance? All right. Tune in next week to The Best of Investing. Catherine Harris will be joining us. We're going to be giving out uh, more valuable information about mortgage investing, where people can earn in excess of 8% in conservative mortgages. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown, wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for The Best of Investing on the Bay Area's Business Leader.
1220 KDLW. Opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.